blessed to be able to go on five separate mission trips over to uh, Nairobi, Kenya, specifically Kawangwari and the Hope Campus. And uh, it's, it's just been a life-changing time for me since uh, coming to OBC. But uh, one of the highlights is being able to go to a worship service on Sunday morning at Hope Church in Nairobi, Kenya. And I mean, they get their worship on. They get their worship on in there, man. And it is so good and so positive. Uh, Benja and the music that he brings to the table. Although I have to take a time out. Our praise this morning, I, I had goosebumps, man. This, that was so good and, and just really, really good. But I know Benja would be proud of that set. And Pastor Brian, when he brings the message, it's from his heart. He loves that community with all his heart, all his mind, all his soul. And uh, he is a senior pastor of Hope Church Lavington. He's also on staff with World Hope. And uh, I just got to say, he's, he, he can also sing, man. The guy can sing. And I, 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 I'd say he's uh, the Kenyan Dustin Janney. That's, or, maybe, or maybe our pastor is the American Brian King. I don't know. It works, it works both ways, but um, what a blessing to be over there. His heart is truly in it. He, he wants to be the hands and the feet of the Great Commission, and he goes out every single day, not just when we're there, every single day, and uh, wants to share the gospel with those in that area and all around the world, and he's here today to do just that. He's got a beautiful family. He's a family man. He's a husband. He's a dad. His uh, wife, Jen Rose, is very, very special, and I think he would agree with me that she makes him a better man. Yeah. And, I, and his little daughter, Wilma, she, she is so cute. She will melt your heart with her hugs and her smiles. Man, it's just, a, it's just a blessing, and he's an encourager. I'll tell you a little short story. Uh, on my second trip there, uh, I was on the construction team, and I found my assignment was to add lighting to about three or four stories up in the rafters of the sanctuary of the Hope Church. And we were on scaffolding that I questioned a little bit because as I'm up there trying to put the lights up, we're... A little shaky, but you wouldn't believe this. Pastor Brian was right there. N not up on the scaffolding. He was right there, down there, <laughs> safely on the ground. But I heard this. I heard this. Mike, Mike. And I looked down. Yeah, Pastor Brian, you got this. <laughs> I was like, see what I mean? What an encourager. What an encourager. Uh, I, I love you. I'd say it right in front of all these guys. You are a man of God. I know God has anointed you over there for this season right now, and uh, you're a blessing. And I, church, I hope you uh, will welcome him with me, or as we say in Swahili, karibu. We are so happy to have Pastor Brian King with us this morning. I love you, bro. Wow, good morning, OBC. I am, wow, man, this church is awesome. 
You know, I, I don't want to take too much time because there's a temptation to take too much time because I'm seeing family right here, all right? Um, but I want to tell you guys something. I, I was here just worshiping with you guys and I wondered, why did they have to stop? How many of you felt like me, man? Like we should have just gone on and on. Well, right there, I just want to honor you, um, Pastor Dustin and your wife, Brooke, and your wonderful family. I saw your girls, by the way. Um, you guys have a wonderful family, and you are a blessed man of God. I remember listening to one of the uh, sermons you were teaching on the Lord's table, and it just blessed my heart. One thing I love about this church, though, is that your doors to the world are so wide. Your sending capacity is just humongous. The church I am privileged to pastor is actually a daughter church of this church. And, and, and I want to just continue to say, may your heart for missions remain at the, at the right place. Because you just don't come to church, you are the church. I mean, if these buildings were to fall down, you guys go on. And this is God's dream because he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. You are the church. Amen. So um, before I go on, I just have to mention a few people because, I mean, Mike, thank you so much for that wonderful introduction. I'm not used to that, by the way. And, and in, in my personality, to be honest, does not like attention. I mean, you begin turning on the lights on me and my little toes just start curling up because I'm not, I, it's not me, right? But I, I, I would like to mention a few people. And, and I think, Mike, you are some of those guys who have come to, to Kenya and first of all, I want to celebrate all of you who keep coming to Kenya on and on. And I have a praise report for you guys. I know you had it, but you guys say this is Super Bowl night, right? So I'm sure some of you are going to be throwing popcorn in your living room saying, yeah, right? So my, my, my argument is this. If you're going to shout for your team, then you better shout a big praise to God because of this. Last year, we saw a thousand people and even more give their lives to Jesus Christ at, at the Hope Center. And the school that we have, Waldorf Academy, I mean, we had two years of, you know, breaking records. So thank you so much for supporting Wild Hope and, and the community. God is at work right there. And so I want to tell Dr. Jenny and your wife, Donna, I mean, I have the best boss in the entire world. I mean, you have loved me. I don't want to get teary because I have to preach, man. I, I cry badly. You know, men, men don't cry sweetly. You know, like, oh, we cry in a disgusting way, you know. <laughs> but I love you guys so much. And your family is just awesome, man. I look at your son, Derek, and how he's a giver, supporting the ministry through Johnny Roofing. I, I just love you guys so much. And, and all your kids who are doing church around here, man, Frank, you melt my heart. I mean, I was seeing what you're talking about, life groups, and your sweet wife, Amy, and your boy, Jacob, is rocking this guitar. What a wonderful example this is for kids to grow in the church. And so many of you, I also want to thank the Cooper family for being such a blessing to us. I saw Tina right here leading us, and uh, you and your husband have been there for us. And so many of you, I, I, I'm even scared because I don't want to forget names, so don't stone me, right? But you guys have just been a tremendous blessing to all of us. So may God bless you, right? So allow me to go straight into the word because I know I don't have too much time. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. 
Heavenly Father, I love this church with all my heart. I was here one day, Lord, and my wife and I were praying for a kid. It was hard for us. But they came around us, laid their hands on us, Lord. And now I keep staring at this beautiful baby girl because you answered their prayer. You're a faithful God. You are amazing. And so, Father, we come before you because we understand that sometimes life doesn't go our way. And today as I preach about suffering sometimes, I preach about us drinking our cup, I pray that somebody in here would be encouraged. For it's in Jesus' mighty name we do pray. And everybody say, Amen. Amen. All right. So I want to um, just create a scenario over here. Imagine with me that you're taking your girlfriend out for dinner or your wife, all right? You enter into this nice restaurant. The jazz music is playing. Ding, 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 ding. You're dressed smartly and you order your food. And just before the food comes, your girlfriend or wife goes to the bathroom. But then she comes back crying and her hair is all messed up and she looks frightened. And you ask the babe, what's going on? And she tells you, well, somebody pushed me and I fell down and he didn't say sorry. And he's right there in the bathroom. Where? Right there. And, and, and I'm imagining some of the men here would be folding their sleeves, getting ready to defend the love of their, li their lives, right? But what would you do if you go past those cowboy doors and she shows you the back of the guy who pushed your sweet darling and that guy is a bison of a person, all right? This guy is like a buffalo. I mean, a buffalo, a bear, and a bison all in one. And he can't even come out of the door. He's like, boom, uh-oh. Uh, then he comes out and your wife tells you, he's the one. I mean, what would you do? Let me tell you what I would do. I would say, Gene, we have to forgive. We have to love one another. Because I'm sure some of you will be like, uh-uh, I'm not getting into this. All right. So I want to share because this is exactly what happened to the soldiers who are going to arrest Jesus on this particular night. So I want to preach a message here called Drink Your Cup. Now, in my church, I usually do a lot of tell your neighbors. You don't have to. But if you are seated next to a warm neighbor, why don't you help me preach this message and tell them, drink your cup. Thank you. Let me take us to the book of John chapter 8 and from verse 4 to 6. This is what it says. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. And Judas the traitor was standing there with them. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Can you imagine? I mean, first of all, there are so many things I like about this portion of scripture because we are talking about Jesus who was 100% man and 100% God. So he knew. He knew who they were looking for. He knew very well what was going to happen, but he's just acting a fool. So he sees these guys coming, and they're all made up with their weapons, and they're looking tough, and they're speaking tough. And he asks them, so who are you looking for? And they say, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, I am he. And what do they all do? They fall to the ground. You know what that teaches me right there? It teaches me that from the beginning, 
as we were singing today this morning about God so gracious and so faithful, giving his life for us, it was not an accident. Jesus was not taken away because he was a weakling. He was not arrested because he was unable to save himself. No, he surrendered his life for you and my sake. He gave himself. Jesus was in total authority. He was in control. And that right there is the background of what I'm about to talk about. You know why? Because many times when we face trouble, many times when we face the, the cross, when we face situations that, that present suffering to us, many times we feel helpless. But I want you to know you're not helpless because our God is dumb, blind, or deaf, or dumb because he cannot do or act. No. Anytime you're facing a difficult time in your life, I want you to understand full well that the God you serve is a mighty God. He can swing wide the gates of heaven. He can help you out, sort you out. He can heal. He can deliver. He can provide. But there are times he just allows us to go through suffering. And I want you to know, even right now as you're going through what you're going through, it's not that you're not a child of God. It's not that your prayers are not reaching heaven. It's not that God is not close to you. He's right there with you. Your very present help in time of need. But he has purpose sometimes for you to go through suffering. So I want you to understand they fell to the ground because they were before God. They were before authority. But yet he said, no, 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 no. We have to do this, guys. Wake up. Wake up. Stand up. So Jesus was not taken away. He let them take him away. Jesus was not subdued. He surrendered himself. Jesus did not eventually die because he was weak, but because he was obedient. He did not die because he had to. He died because he wanted to. He did it because he loved you. He did it because he would do it again and again if that is what it would take. Jesus drank the cup. You see, in John 18 and verse 11, it says, Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? I want to tell you, my fellow brothers and sisters, I know and never we face a trying time we carry all the verses we know and we pray all that we know how and that's okay because the Bible tells us in the, books of, in the book of Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. But there are times we have to put our swords down and say, Lord, I will be still and know that you are God. He told Peter, put your sword down. This is not about war. This is not about I have to do this because it's God's will for me. Jesus here makes a powerful admission of submission. He says, I am he, the lamb that was given for the slaughter. I am he who will give his life as a ransom for many. I am he, the child of God. I'm not weak, but I have come to give of myself. And he asks the question, shall I not drink this cup? You see, we too, at some point in our Christian walk, we'll have to make an admission of submission. That you face a situation that you know full well. James chapter 1 is calling and saying, count it all joy when you face trials 
and tests of various kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces in you good fruit. I know it's Super Bowl season, but church, at times, is fruit-bearing season. Amen. Because sometimes you never know joy. You'll never know true joy that is not as a result of events or blessings or open doors or, of, or, or good things happening in your life. But you will understand the meaning of real joy that comes from the Holy Spirit, one that comes from inside, not from outside. And you can never know that joy if you don't go through some of these trials. But in that time, like Jesus, I want you to say, I admit that a time comes when I have to submit and carry my cross for the glory of God. You see, this cup was not from man. This cup was from the Father. You see, the Bible says, he says, shall I not take the cup the Father has given me. There are some trials you go through that are not brought upon you by people. That's why your prayers won't work. That's why sometimes your fasting won't work because this trial is from the same Father that is meant to bless you. And he says, I'm doing this for your good. And I'm doing this for my glory. And I know suffering is at times a mystery because God is sovereign, but we have to worship God in his mystery and say, Father, you are greater than my wants and my needs, and I give myself away. I trust you with my life because I know you love me and you have your best interest for me at heart. Shall you drink your cup this morning? I want to take you back to the book of Matthew chapter 26 and from verse 39. And it says, and going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed saying, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not I, not as I will, but as you will. I know you're here today and there are things you're probably praying for. You can't understand full well the mystery of where they're coming and where they're going, what their purpose is or what God's intentions are. But in such times, make an admission of submission and say, Lord, I will not fight for what I want. I will submit and surrender to what you want. This is what Jesus did. You know, the greatest test in such moments is not your faith because you have faith. Listen, the Bible says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you have all the bare minimum of what we require to have faith. But in times like this, God is not testing your faith. He's testing your faithfulness. Your ability to remain sober, your ability to remain grounded, your ability to remain deeply rooted and firm, trusting that all things God is causing to work for good because he loves you and because you're called according to his purpose. So in such times, even though we are weak, what encourages me is we might falter, we might shake, we might complain, we might grumble. But remember this, we serve a God who remains faithful even when we are faithless. He's there and he will never leave us nor forsake us. He is a mighty God. Amen. So you see, the Bible talks about cups. 
And the theme of the cup in the Bible represents many things. It represents blessing. For example, in Psalm 16 and verse 5, it says, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my Lord secure. At times, the cup means fate. Not knowing, just giving yourself away to whatever life will take you. At times, it means remembrance when we partake of the Lord's table. As we take this cup in remembrance of what the Lord will do. But today, I want to focus on suffering. Fate, inconvenience. Because Jesus took this cup willingly and in total obedience not because he was hated, abandoned, weak, but because he was God's child, giving himself away in obedience. And there's an interesting flow here in scripture that I see. There's wine that Jesus drank, and there's wine that Jesus did not drink. And, and you can see this clearly. If we go to Mark chapter 15 and verse 23, it says, Then they offered him wine mixed with mire, but he did not take it. You know, the, the, the scholars say that when wine was mixed with mire, it was given to people as a, you know, a, some drink that would make you, you know, go easy. You know, when you drink and you just start saying all nice things. You know what I'm talking about. You know, sometimes we church people, we have one too many, and we start telling people, you know, Frank, I love you, man. You, man, Frank, man, you're, you know. This is not the kind of drink Jesus drank. But you know why I love this part? It's because when Jesus was being beaten and spat on, facing suffering, he didn't want anything to take his mind away. That's why when Jesus was going to the cross, he did not go to the cross as a drunk person not knowing what he was doing because his love for you was intentional, deliberate, and focused. He said, I'm going to pay the full price for you. And after I do this, you are free and free indeed if you believe in my name. And if you believe in what I did on the cross, you are free and free indeed. He did not go to the cross as a drunk person. He went with full consciousness. That's why he said, don't give me this drink. I know what I'm doing. I'm going to drink the cup my father has given me. But as he went on, on the cross, you remember in Mark chapter 15, oh yes, this is Mark chapter 15 and verse 36, 35 to 36, some ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and they offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. This is where Jesus was now on the cross. And he said, I'm thirsty. And this is a different drink, though it was bitter. But Bible scholars say that he drank it so that he could stay long enough to fulfill the purpose that God had for him. You see, I remember reading one time when I was doing my studies that some people believe that Jesus did not actually die. He somehow fainted and then resurrected. But I disagree. I say he died and he rose on the third day for your sin and my sin, for your mess and my mess. And now when we believe in him, we are saved once and for all because he's a loving God. Amen. Give him praise right now. Hallelujah. 
So I know right now some of us have a cup before us. The question is, will you drink it? I know sometimes as Christians we want to run away from convenience as fast as possible. But we are shown an example here in Christ. And with apostles like Peter and Paul. There are time comes, not all the time, when a believer has to take the cup that is before them. Some of us here are having faith for something, but it hasn't come. We are struggling and praying, and we are wondering, Lord, how long will you want me to wait? As the psalmist prayed and penned down this psalm, he says, how long, O Lord, will you stay without answering my prayer. Some of us are really, really frustrated about something, a tough issue that is not fading away or going away. And our flesh is yearning for relief, convenience, and ease. And the enemy is frustrating you, turning back on you, telling you your prayers are not working. Your service to God is irrelevant. All that Bible study and fellowship and all those churchy things you do, they mean nothing right now because God has forgotten about you. That is a lie from the pit of hell. The enemy is cheating you that you're not powerful, that God's promises are not true, that he's a liar. But I've come to remind you that he's not a man that he should lie to us. His promises to us are yes and amen. The truth is you are loved. The truth is you are chosen. The truth is you are powerful in Christ. But instead, as Peter said, of suffering like a weak man or like a thief who has stolen because he's guilty, you suffer with your head held high because you know you're participating in the sufferings of our Jesus Christ. Amen. Your prayers might be delayed, but they don't mean that you're denied. He can do it. He can answer that prayer. He can heal that disease. He can provide that job. He can provide those resources. He can mend your broken marriage. He can fix your wayward son or daughter. He can do it. But at times, he takes his time. Question is, will you endure? Give yourself this morning like Abraham gave Isaac. Surrender your life today like Peter who said, I am a born servant of Christ. Obey like Noah obeyed God. I want to give you a short example here of a man called Baruch. You know, I read the story of Baruch and it breaks my heart. If we turn to Jeremiah chapter 45, I don't have time, but I would encourage you to read it. This is what it says, but the Lord has told me to say to you, this is what the Lord says, I will overthrow what I have built and approve what I have planted throughout the earth. Should you then seek great things for yourself, do not seek them. For I will bring disaster on all people, declares the Lord. But wherever you go, I will let you escape with your life. In case you're wondering what's happening here, Baruch was like the right-hand man of Jeremiah. He was penning down all that was happening. He was writing these journals. And together they were hoping that God would change the nation. They were hoping that God would start answering prayer and that good things would start happening. And he was hoping for the best. But then God gave word to Jeremiah about his assistant. And he told him, you know what, Baruch? I know you're hoping for the best. 
You're hoping that things may change. You're hoping that God may turn your sorrow into a joyful experience. But this is what the Lord said. He said he won't do it. In fact, he's going to destroy. But listen, he will let you escape with your life. There are times God doesn't answer the, our prayers the way we want them, the way we want them answered. There are times God doesn't answer us the way we want him to. But we still have to say, Lord, you are greater than my need. You are greater than my wants. You see the book of Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10, Paul says something awesome. In his Christian journey, he says, I want to know Christ. Church, I'm not talking about knowing a verse or knowing your favorite song. I'm not talking about knowing your pastor or your life group leader. I'm talking about having an intimate bond with your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That you know his heart. That you can hear him even in the darkest moments of your life. That you know him for yourself and you trust him that no matter what goes on in your life, you can say, Lord, I, even if I don't see it, even if I don't feel it, even if I don't hear it, I know that I know that I know that you are God and that your promises are with me because you are Emmanuel all the time. So Paul is saying, I want to know him. And then he says, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings becoming like him in his death. He's saying, if he goes up, I go up. If he goes down, I go down. If he says, wait, I wait. Because I'm not having a God doing my good stuff, doing all the things, and then when things go bad, I leave my God. No, 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 no. I'm with him. He's my right or die. Forever my God. I might be weak. I might struggle. But Lord, I will not turn away from you. Even though you smite me, Lord, I will stay. Because I want to be faithful to you. You are the church, Orlando Baptist Church. It doesn't matter how rough things are. Stay with God. Stay with God because there are, there are things in your life you will never know about God but unless you go down to the valley with him. I want to encourage you, don't get stuck in the mountain. He's the God of the mountain but he's also the God of the valley. He's a faithful God. Paul says, and the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Why? Because he has resurrection power. Oh my goodness. If there's one thing the world cannot do is bring back to life. We can do all the gimmicks we want with technology, but there's only one power that remains exclusive to God, and that is resurrection power. Our bodies might fade away. Our lives might fade away. But our hearts and souls will remain with God. Because we are the real eternals. Because he's calling us to a real eternal relationship. So as I conclude church, I want to say to you, take your cup. Take the cup that God gives you. Have no fear. Be bold and be courageous. You might struggle, but keep going. Because Psalms 27 and verse 1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? 
The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Look around you, Orlando Baptist Church. He's right here. He's right here with you, in your homes, in your hospital, in your marriage, in your finances. He has never left. He has never left. He's always right there with you. But walk in obedience, church. Yet, it, and I'm reading First Peter chapter 4 and from verse 16 to 17. Yet, yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not know or obey the gospel of God? Walk in obedience. Trust and obey. Keep going because he's your father. He, he's not a man that he should lie. He wants the best for you. But then totally surrender. Give yourself to him. It's not easy for people like you and I to not be in control or have a clue of what's going on. We love being in control. We love predicting how things will go. But a time comes when it's like you're just sliding on slippery ground, have nothing to hold on, but remember, we have God. Romans 12:1. it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, because this is your true and proper worship. Give yourself away. Amen. So as we come to a close, church, I want to say, uh, and I, I, I didn't plan on sharing this, but my wife and I were expecting a baby just a few weeks ago, and we really got excited. I remember that night, she turned on the light and she showed me proof. She said, Brian, we are pregnant. And that to me was the biggest miracle because doctors had told us to use medicine. Nothing was working. But that night we saw a miracle. That God is a miracle working God. But then six weeks down the road we go for the normal checks. And one of the doctors there says, we can't feel the heartbeat. Long story short, we lost the baby. And I remember we went home and, you know, you're trying to make sense of how long we have waited for a baby, how long we have prayed. But then God decides, I'll keep this one. And you know, it was hard. And my wife and I were wondering, what do we do? What do we tell people? I mean, we had just shared with people that now we were pregnant, they were encouraged and, and you know, at times you're embarrassing. It's even worse that you smelt it and now it's gone. But I remember telling my wife, we encourage people in our highest moments. But I believe God sometimes does these things to encourage many more in our lowest moments. We are drinking our cup. But I want to tell you that my God is still a faithful God. Now, I, I don't want you to feel sorry for me because I'm, I have the joy of God. But just like Jesus on the way to the cross, he said to the ladies, don't weep for me. I mean, you weep for yourselves. Each one of us has a cross on our backs, people. I don't know what yours is today. But as Pastor Dustin comes, I, 
I don't know whether it's a sickness, job loss, I, I don't know. Maybe it's your marriage. You have tried everything, but it's just distracting in front of you. And you've prayed and you've done everything you can. But trust him. Let's surrender to God. Amen. God bless you.